Welcome to Between the Horns, everybody. Miles Simmons here with DeMarco Farr. It is Wednesday, November 7th. DeMarco is laughing because that's what he does. Geeked. Yeah. He's geeked. Fun. Seattle's coming to town. Man. Seattle is coming to Always town. Always good. Yeah. Always good. Uh, big division rivalry this weekend. Um, but the Rams are undefeated, I should say, no more. They are now 8-1 yeah. after falling to the New Orleans Saints in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome 45-35. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, that game was a lot. It, it, I think I think it was, it was a fun. lot to process. It, it was fun. It was yeah. because the Rams came back. Yeah. You know, down 21 in the second quarter, you don't see a lot of teams come back like the Rams ended up doing, and I think that says a lot just about the character of this team. Uh, so much, man. I mean, I, I think the, the Rocky franchise was started on something like this, really. I mean, you get all the way to just about winning, and then you lose. But the fact that they came back there and how they came back, piece by piece, step by step, to get back in the game, to tie the dang thing up. At 35, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's an amazing effort. Um, you didn't get the result, the end result that you wanted, but there were, some, there were some true moments in that game where you saw championship effort and attitude and intensity out of both sides. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure like, there's only, there can only be one winner. I know there are ties, but there can only be one winner in, in a game like that, and the Saints got it. But, you know, I bet the NFL as a whole was happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a barn burner of a football game. It was, and I think what you said is true. Look, there's only one winner, but there were those kind of championship moments, mm-hmm. you know, where you're playing at that really high level where, you know, Andrew Whitworth said this after the game. You see in this league, there are times when teams will go down like that. They have a bad half. Mm-hmm. But what you don't often see is teams have a good second half on the road, in a hostile environment, mm-hmm. to not only get back into the game, but to actually tie the game, and to, in theory, really have a chance to go down the field and get a game-winning drive and no put doubt. that together. I mean, when you're down 38-35, yeah. that, that's almost what I expected at that point, you if, know? If the Rams were a bad team when, they, when the Saints went up 21 points, I mean, I bet that game would have ended with a lopsided score. They, that team would have probably lost by 40 points. I mean, when the Saints go ahead of you like that, and they just seem like they're about to bury you. Well, I mean, this is different. This team is different. Both teams are different. You know, they're going to make plays, enough plays to either get back in the game or win the football game. And sure enough, it came down to the fourth quarter. Just a handful of plays separated each team from a win and a loss. That's what happens with the good teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hear that said a lot about just different teams in the NFL and different games in the NFL. Like, <laughs> Ask the Falcons in the right. Super Bowl. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like It comes yeah. down to, oh man, it comes down to one or two plays. And teams like to say that, but I, I think that this was a game where it was actually true. No doubt. Because a lot of times when there are bad teams and they say that, you're like, eh, well, I mean, you know, yeah. you also couldn't run the ball. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. For me, for the Rams, it was sort of this sequence of plays that happened, especially in the first half, and then you're like, okay, well, that's one thing. But now you're coming back in the second half. Mm -hmm. You were able to tie the thing up. You're able to really start to see that, okay, maybe you can actually win this. Mm -hmm. And then there are a couple plays that happen, and it's like, no, you won't. Well, the biggest play play of the game was the, the last touchdown by the Saints, right? And remember, that happened on third and seven. It did in a three-point ball game. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's tight. That's one play. One play here or there could have won or lost the game there. And that's, I mean, that was playoff football in November. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's the type of drama. That's the type of feeling that game had. So, it's a shame that you came up short, but you have to remind yourself going in, this is the regular season. This is just one loss. Mm-hmm. There's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. And the fact is, you've already stacked eight wins mm-hmm. together. You've already guaranteed yourself a non-losing season. We talked about that a little bit last week. But this is one game. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about there only being one loss, as we continue our look back here, is that after the, lo- after the game, you're going into the locker room, and you hear from different players. And are they happy they lost? No. And But at the same time, I didn't feel like you saw a lot of long faces. It was, okay, that one's over. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to work. We have, we have Seattle next. You know, yeah. we, we learned some things about ourselves today. We're going to go back. We're going to watch the film. We're going to make the corrections, and we're going to keep going. It did not seem no. to crush anybody that they did not win the game against the Saints. I mean, I think everyone would rather the team be up, you know, be undefeated still. Of course, but yes. Some of your best teaching, best learning, and best seasons come after a loss. I mean, when you get to taste what it feels like to lose. Sean McVay said in his, uh, at the coach's show, it's a sick feeling in the pit of his stomach. 
and there's only one way to get that out, mm-hmm. and that's next Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that desire. I mean, that's that's only put there when you take an L. It's true. Yeah, so that's going to refocus everybody. That's going to refocus everyone to get to to get thinking about what can I do to get better versus how bad I feel in November, right. how beat up I am. Right, especially because yeah. you haven't had the bye week yet. Yeah, I don't care how beat up you are. There is nothing worse in sports than a losing week in the NFL. It sucks because it takes so long to get back to next Sunday. Right. you got to live through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday just to get back to Sunday so you can get some get back. But those Wednesday, Thursday practices coming off a loss are some of the most intense practices ever. I don't care who you are. Well, it probably wouldn't be for the, the Rams because they usually just do walkthroughs on. I mean, even, even with that, the attention to detail is different. Maybe you came in and you're 8-0, 7-0, 6-0, and, you know, you got a little swagger to you. Mm. Well, now it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. There is no swagger coming off an L. Yeah. It's just work, and I think that's great for a football team. I think what Sean McVay said was setbacks can sometimes be setups for comebacks. Oh right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of that was a new one from him because we haven't heard we haven't heard him after a loss. Oh, I, yeah, that's been around for a minute. I can't remember who coined it, but it's right. I mean, when you take an L like this, it just sets you up for the biggest comeback of your life. Right. And even if you got the win or you lost. Either way, you have a division rival coming in. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happened in New Orleans, you're going to have to forget it and move on. Right, yeah. right. But I just, to, to get back to the, the way the Rams came back in that game, I mm-hmm. just think that that says a lot about Sean McVay and the personality that he's given this team. You know, mm-hmm. I always say, I mean, by that, the, the team takes on the personality of the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. So one of these things that um, McVay always says is nobody flinch, nobody blink. If we face some adversity, we just got to go and we got to handle it. Mm-hmm. The Rams, I don't even know if they could have done what they did on Sunday last year, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of just coming well, back they did. by down that much. In Dallas. Yeah. That's what I w- that's what I okay. went back and thought. I'm like I remember this team being down in Dallas, down 17. Yeah. in Dallas and came back and got the victory and I wouldn't say turned the season around but got people to notice what was mm. going on mm-hmm. here in Los Angeles. So, I think I said it during the broadcast. This team isn't going to blink. They've been here before. Right. And I heard Sean McVay in the locker room after all the adjustments were made on offense and defense and special teams when he spoke right before they took the field for the second half. Hey, look. Forget about it. We're going to get back in this game one play at a time. And that's exactly how they went about their business. Right. That it was just great. Yeah. It's just, the, it, but that's part of it too. That's the mentality, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they always talk about one week at a time. Well, mm-hmm. we got to focus one day at a time. And if you break it down to even one play at a time, that, mm-hmm. it just, it's the whole thing. And it's how everybody has bought in. Mm-hmm. You know, you see guys who may have been here under previous coaching staffs that are still here. You know why? It's because they bought into that philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this is working the way it is because everybody has bought into the fact, okay, we've got to take this one play at a no time. Doubt. We've got to take this one day at a time in the practice week. We've got to take it a week at a time. You know, when you get guys who don't come to practice, and I'm talking about media guys, they don't come to practice and then they come to the games, then afterwards they're asking players, oh, have you ever got about an undefeated season? Mm. No, they have not, because that's not what that's not this team's mentality. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, that's the only happy thing about taking an L. Those people go away. Ah, thank God. I know, I know. It's it's. I even said this. I said there's nothing negative about being undefeated. I said this to Sean McVay, and he didn't know what I was talking about. I was actually talking to those people that undefeated's bad, undefeated's this, or you should go after the undefeated. Hey, look, man, nobody's. Nobody cares about being undefeated. You care about winning the next game. Yep. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So right now the Rams are 0 and 1. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And they're looking to go 1 and 0 this week. That's their mentality. Yes. And, and to do that though, they're they're gonna have to shore up some things on defense. I mm-hmm. think we know that. Tackling. Uh, yes. Yeah. Tackling. Tackling is a big issue. So I I always think about this when people are talking about Alvin Kamara because he makes everybody look bad. Didn't we say that last week right here? If he gets you in space, he will embarrass you? I don't know if we did say it here, we did. but we probably should have. We did. Yeah, that's that's it's, when you looked at me true. funny. true. When I said trout fishing without oh, yeah, I, barehanded. <laughs> that's what I mean. That guy is slippery as all get out. He is. Especially on that surface, yeah. Right, so what you're saying is you have to you have to be stabilized before he makes his move. You need help. Now I'm recalling <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, you so, need help. Right, because right. if he makes the move, then he's going to beat you. And mm-hmm. we saw that, I think, a lot during that game, especially on his touchdown reception. Well, I mean, that what... What I saw was Sean Payton, and I, I dare I say, using McVeigh's game plan against the Rams. I can't say that because Payton has done it longer as a play caller. Mm-hmm. So 
he did what he always does. They just they were playing faster up front, and they got the ball out faster than you can react against Kamara. Right. And we said if you wait until he has the rock to make a football play, it's already too late. Right. That's what happened around the red zone. Got the ball out. He turned the corner. He had a chance to survey and make and find space yes. and then get to the end zone. So yes. that was the key early. But I thought they did a much better job in the second half playing team defense against the run. Mm-hmm. Getting more than one guy to the football. And you had a chance to survey. Like the first couple of drives, I think they went eight plays or seven plays. By, by the middle of the third quarter, I think you've seen all their plays. Right, probably, So by the yeah. time those repeat comes around, comes around, you have a better chance of playing those plays out in the perimeter, and they did. Right. Much better job. Well, to your point, I mean, if you look at the Saints' drive charts from the first half, 10 plays, touchdown, 8 plays, touchdown, 1 play fumble. Right. But then... Hell of a shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah great job there by Abucom. But then 10 plays, touchdown, 6 plays, touchdown, 6 plays, touchdown. Yeah, at some point, so, you're going to start seeing repeats, and you're going to exactly. start to play those plays better. Yeah. And then that's why the second half, you get punt, punt, field goal, and then touchdown, then the game. Right. So, so you yes. Get, you, but here's the thing. If this was the playoffs, you don't get that second chance. You need to play those the first half the same way you play the second half, but... It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yes, absolutely. I, I don't doubt that. But that's the thing. Okay, so if you're looking at this game, is it more, wow, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, that offense is awesome, or is it, man, you know, the Rams have so many corrections on defense. What are they going to do? Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the correction on, on defense um, aren't schematic for the most part. Okay. Um, I, I think it's just – you understand that you have to have a sense of urgency against teams like that. I mean, it's a one-loss football team. If this were college football and the Rams lost to a one-loss football team, I don't think they drop out of the top five. That's a good team you lost to, mm-hmm. and it could have gone either way. But defensively speaking, I think it just reinforces the fact that you've got to start the game the same way you ended it. Yes. You can't wait to get punched in the mouth right. because you might be down 21 points before you wake up. Right, yes, and that's the thing about if you're playing a team like that mm-hmm. especially, you, you can't just go blow for blow. The thing I sort of equated it to um, is it's like you're on serve, you know, mm-hmm. talk about tennis. Mm-hmm. So like those first few drives, it seemed like to me, okay, you're on serve, you're getting it. You know, you're on serve, you're getting it. You're on serve, you're on serve. And then the Rams get the play, mm-hmm. right? They get the chance for the break point. Mm-hmm. When Samson Abukam gets that fumble, Aaron Donald recovers it, you start at the 22-yard line, you think, boy, if if you get this extra possession in the box, mm. that's huge. Right. Because you know, especially at their place, you need to be able to score those points. Mm-hmm. But the Rams don't get it. I and, thought he got it. Uh, uh, the fake field goal? I was standing right there. I thought he got it. I mean, Johnny's a tall guy. Yeah. And, you know, he's a good athlete. So he was out on the edge, and he stuck the ball out. And I could have swore he crossed the line to gain. I mean, but I, then on video, I couldn't tell. I am much farther away from you, especially in that particular venue. Yeah. But I it looked to me like he got it as well. That's what I thought. Yeah, so, yeah. like, from a bird, a, a very high bird's eye view, like, that's what it looked like to me. So, I, I don't know. I think the official's call was, um, after further review, the call stands. Mm-hmm. That kind of tells you that they probably didn't have enough evidence to overturn. Correct. And, the, and they went with the spot. But from what I, where I was sitting, I thought he got it. But either way... Uh, you needed to get points out of that, out of that turnover, and yes. you came away with zero. So right. that gave them all the momentum. It did. Did you did you like the call to fake it in the first place? Uh, I mean, that's hard to say yes or no because you were that close to picking it up. So if I say no, I don't like the call. Take the points. And if he would have picked it up, then I, what am I supposed to say? I don't. I don't want a first down there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course you want a touchdown there. So I love the aggression. Um, I. I I wish you could have gotten something out of that, but it is what it is. You got to give them credit for making a play too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I you do you give them credit, but I, I think the, the problem there is that you let it get to fourth down and four. Right. Right. The problem is that you didn't get enough on first and second down, mm-hmm. so you were in third and ten. You only pick up six yards on that screen to Brandon Cooks on the left side. That right. that to me is the bigger issue than yeah. Okay, Those two what, drives. What's the fake field goal? Or there not? were two drives that that really stand out to me. That one, like you said, you, it got to fourth down after a takeaway, mm-hmm. and then the last drive or second to last drive, six twenty three on the clock. Yeah. And you're down three. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the moment, right? Yes. And you go three and out. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. The Saints' defense just made a few more plays than you did, 
and then Breeze made the final nail that, that ultimately killed you. So just a few more plays here or there, but those two drives I thought were huge. Right. No, yeah. I totally agree with you because you go three and out in that situation, just as you say, 623 left, mm-hmm. uh, incomplete to Woods, Gurley only gets a yard on second down, and then uh, you have an incomplete pass, excuse me, it's only a two-yard pass to Cooper Cup. So mm-hmm. that's not what you need there. You need way more in order to just extend that drive and, you know, give yourself a chance to tie yeah. the game with the field goal. Because we know what Greg Zerline's range is, right? right. Like, did he miss a 51-yarder? Yes, he did, but then he hit a 56. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't take that much to get into Greg Zerline's range. No, but, I mean, that's what I mean. This, is, this will help reinforce what Sean McVay is teaching these guys about winning in the postseason or becoming champions. These are the key moments that you have to really dial in. It's situational football. I'm sure they're going to talk about it now. You've got two timeouts, 623 on the clock, and you're down by three. And it's not about the play call. It's about the execution of the play. Sure. It's about dialing in. We can't have a mistake. We've got to get X, Y, and Z on this play to keep the ball moving. So that's why losses can be great because you'll keep coming back to this. Right. And it'll be in the back of your head in every situation you're in for the remainder of the season. You know what? That last drive in New Orleans, maybe I could have been better. This week I will be. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that goes for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. Sean McVay always says it starts with me. Mm-hmm. He says, I got to do a better job of our play selection, et cetera, et cetera. So probably is going to be in his head. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be in the quarterback's head. You know, got to make a better ball. Got to do mm-hmm. whatever he can. Maybe extend a play. Maybe not. You know, Todd Gurley, hey, maybe I can break a tackle. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, hey, maybe we could have blocked that up mm-hmm. front a little bit better. It, it, it snowballs into things right. like that. It'll so, only make you better. Yeah. I, I, I do like having quarterbacks like Jared Goff. I, I do, because the guy is so flatlined with his emotions. Like, you get down early, um, sometimes it shows on the quarterback mm-hmm. that the team has, you, you broke them. That touchdown or that score there broke him. You can tell by the way he's taking the field. Jared's the same guy no matter what happens. Yes. Yeah, he's the same guy. He's going to keep attacking no matter what. So that is a real blessing to have a guy like that, Mm. that sort of mentality as your number one guy. I think it also helps that, you know, Sean McVay, and he's even said this, you know, Sean McVay is very wired. Mm-hmm. It's very dialed in, very, you know, uh, Yeah. And then Jared Goff is always, like you said, the flat line. No doubt. Very even keel. McVay scared the dog out of me. In that game, uh, right before they they scored the two point conversion, right? Yo, yeah. So I'm looking here. I'm down around the five yard line. So I'm looking into the line of scrimmage, uh. getting ready to call the play, right? And this blur goes running by me. <laughs> I thought it was a streaker. I thought somebody had jumped on the field. I didn't know what the hell it was. He went flying by. I'm like, oh, that's the coach, right? And he gets down there, is trying to call timeout, but the ball got snapped and they get in. Yeah. Right. So everybody's happy, but him. Like, you just scored, coach. Be happy, but. He was upset about something. He had to go through that little deal. But it was just funny to see that guy go flying by me. As, as he says often, the players make you right. Yeah, he Because does. I yeah. saw that, too. I mean, yep. like, that he was, like, he was sprinting. Sprinting. It wasn't the call. Sprinting. He, he didn't want to change the call. He just, they were getting close to the, the play clock yeah. expiring. So he was, maybe I have to call timeout. Man, I haven't seen, I don't know who was faster, him or, or, or uh, Cooper Cup. Scoring a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, man. I mean, he went (laughs) flying by me. I mean, I jumped out of my shoes for a minute. Yeah. 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 That's funny, eh, man? Like, that's that's why he practices with the team in training camp, I guess. I told you. We're all lucky he's not six inches taller. With that speed, he'd be in the league. I'm serious, (laughs) man. Wow. That dude was flying. Well, there's a reason why he was the, I don't know if this is actually the title, but like the Mr. Football of Georgia. Doesn't shock me. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He needed ice on his hammies after that. Yeah. Probably did. I'm not even sure if he was warm, but he was sprinting. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, he did hurt his hamstring, I think. Was that last OTA? (laughs) Did he really? From running? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't this year. It was maybe a year ago. But yeah, that's um, yeah. That, but that's Sean McVay, and that's that's just the way he does things. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so as we look at uh, our deep dive this week, and I know that you don't love the the title deep. That's dive. okay. I'm with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Marcus Peters because mm-hmm. they, the he is now I think maybe rightly or wrongly become the sort of scapegoat on the Rams defense. Do you agree with that statement? First off. You know. Okay. Um, I can't mention his name, but I had a famous corner, great player, NFC West guy, tell me, I asked him, what is it like to play corner in the NFL? Can I use a curse word? Or uh, will it get bleeped? It, it depends. Okay, I'll, sugar to bleep. Sugar to bleep. That's what it's oh. like. Yeah, so it's great. Salt. And that, 
sugar to salt. <laughs> Fair enough. But he, that's how he described it. I mean, you can be up, you can be playing great, and then all of a sudden, one play gets behind you, and it's the other. Right. That's just the way it is playing that position. Yes. Yeah. So is that what you're seeing right now on film from Marcus Peterson? Yeah. I mean, there's some things that he can do better, and I'm sure he's being told what he needs to do to get better, and I'm sure he already knows what he needs to do to get better. Uh, get down, get set, get ready to play, mm -hmm. right? And the one thing that you can't do as a defender, I don't care who you are, from Aaron Donald on all the way back to LaMarcus Joyner, you can't commit what I call critical errors. If you know you don't have help over the top and there's a receiver that you're supposed to be covering that's in front of you, get the guy on the ground. Right. Forget trying to make a play on the ball. Get him on the ground. Right. Um, to me, that last play should have been a plus 30. Mm -hmm. where he caught it, and then a few steps, and then he's down, and then you line up and play again. What you can't do is go after the football against the best passer in the history of the game and try to knock it out of the air. It's not going to happen. Right. Once you miss, there's no one in front of you. There's no one in front of him. There's just a goal line. So those things you can't have happen. So, And I'm sure if you can have a do-over, he'd play that play a little bit differently. Uh, but you can't look at that one play and say, He's a bad corner or had a bad game. There were some plays he made in that game that were phenomenal. Tremendous yes. against the run. Yeah. Yeah, some, some adjustments oh. he made that were great. So if you want to be down on them, so be it. But it's not going to bother him, and it's not going to bother the defense. It's not going to bother this football team. It, there were even, you said, in the run game, but even in the pass game. I mean, he mm -hmm. had a pass breakup down the right sideline early on in that contest. So mm -hmm. it's not like every pass, you know, he was being burnt on. And I'm no not doubt. trying to... Just, just sugarcoat or, you know, blow rainbows at people's rear ends when mm -hmm. I'm talking about Marcus Peters and his play. I mean, there's obviously some things that he has to do better, mm -hmm. and he knows that. You know, he even said after the game, you know, with some colorful language beep, that we can't. Yeah, beep, exactly. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, basically what he was saying, he didn't make any excuses. Right. Took accountability, and he said, I have to be better. I've been playing poor football. He didn't say poor. He owned it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he owned it. And Definitely. so you don't always see that, and I think... Yeah. His teammates appreciate that probably. Sean McVay said that was the best thing about it, that mm -hmm. he took that accountability and he's going to continue to work, and, he's, and we know that about him. Um, but I thought it was interesting, too, that you heard from LaMarcus Joyner after the game and uh, as another secondary guy, and I think the question was basically, okay, how do you help you know, your teammate when your teammate's you know, saying that, you know, I've been playing poorly, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. And LaMarcus Joyner even said, Marcus Peters is a liar. You know, we know that there are some things he can do better, but we don't feel like he's, you know, bad or anything, da 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 mm -hmm. but we're with him. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know that he's going to get back to playing the, yeah. the football he knows he can play. It's a funny story. I just saw the other guy. He's a, he's a former teammate. He was with us for a year, and then he left and went to Tennessee, wound up playing him in the Super Bowl. Okay. So I saw him on the sidelines, right? And I brought up a story to him. 1998, we called, he's a defensive end. Mm -hmm. We called a stunt between me and him. Mm -hmm. That means it didn't come off the bench. It's something we're gonna do, right? Right. So I'm gonna go first, you're gonna come around and cover me. Okay, so the play, the ball snaps, I fly up field, he doesn't come around. The ball hits right where he should be, right? Scores. I think we lose. So Monday's meeting comes around and we're watching and it gets to that play and I get ripped. Yeah. Because it looks like I'm the one voiding the play. Yes. And he never spoke up for me. Huh. He just sat there, right? So what, what, what do you think I should do in that situation? I think that later in kangaroo court, we find the hell out of that guy. Maybe. Yeah. Or just take it and move on. Well, I think we move on. Yeah. But that's same with Marcus Peters and what you said about LaMarcus. We don't know what's going on on the field. We don't know what the calls are or the checks are or what they're communicating. So it, it may look like it's Marcus Peters giving up the play. But in reality, it could have been somebody else that he's trying to cover for or should have been there. We don't know. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's team defense. So at some, at some point, like he did after the game, you just own it. I need to play better. Yeah. Believe me, and the guy that made the mistake in that situation is listening. Right. And he's thanking you inside for taking the heat. Mm -hmm. I know I should be better. So he's saying, I need to be better. I need to do things better. I need to play better. Guy over here is saying, you know what? I am going to play better because you're taking the heat for me. Yeah. It works out that way. Hmm. That's team defense. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why they say it takes all 11 mm -hmm. to be on the same page in order to do the, in order to play well as mm -hmm. a team on defense. Especially, I don't know, to me in this league right now, and I'm going to go off on a little tangent. 
like it's easier right now than ever before for quarterbacks to complete passes, for drives to get extended, mm -hmm. for basically quarterbacks to put up numbers that we've never seen in this league before. Yeah, yeah. Right? No it, doubt. It's, it, it is easy to do that. Not to make fun of a guy, but I think C.J. Beathard came up with a new way to pick up first downs. Stand there in the pocket and just get your head taken off. Sure. Let him hit you. Right. You'll get the personal foul. <laughs> right. Even C.J. Beathard's completing passes yeah. looking like an NFL quarterback. Right. right. So then when you look at Buffalo, mm -hmm. you really have to say that Nathan Peterman is one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of football. Because if you can't complete passes in today's NFL, and I know that some of these passes are being tipped, and all, but all you're doing is throwing pick sixes in 2018 in the NFL, mm -hmm. Boy, oh boy. Why are we bashing the Bills? I, we got I, the Seahawks this I week. Said, I said I was going oh. off on a tangent. Okay. Here's why. Here's why. Because Ooh. I read an article this week. <laughs> what the hell? I know. And, like, I'm just, I'm using the, okay, the go time ahead. I've got. What's the article? Go ahead. But, but no, it was in The Athletic, and it was by a, a Buffalo writer, I think Tim Graham, who I actually really like, mm -hmm. which is why I read it, and I have an athletic subscription, and it's really cool that you get to read all the articles from everybody um, around the league. Awesome. Great. Okay. So, but... The, basically, the point he was making, was, and I respect this point, was I'm not gonna just gonna keep bashing Nathan Peterman because uh, like they keep sending him out there. But like you know, he seems like he's a good guy and he's a good teammate and da 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 da. But like, at what point do you call it what it is? You know what I'm saying? Because if in 2018 you you can't complete a pass, and I don't, and I'm not trying to make this about you know people who are unsigned to teams. Like it, this just is what it is. Like. You have to be able to call a spade a spade, man. Yeah, yeah. It's easier than ever. In 2018, the game is made for offense, and you and you are throwing that many picks? Bruh. Like, I understand that, like, there's no control of who gets sent out there. Like, right. you're on your third-string quarterback, obviously, and then you sign Matt Barkley, and, like, do you anybody really want to see that either? But, like, man, like, let's just call a spade a spade. He's not good. Right. Okay. He's very bad. He's historically bad, especially when you consider where we are in the NFL. I get, I get his. That's all I want to say. I think I get his point. Um, we know he's bad, but Buffalo's going to send, keep sending him out there. So what's the point? That's I know. Yeah, I, I get where he's coming from, and I get where you're coming from. I think I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I hope you do. I don't know why we're talking about this. Because I wanted to talk about okay, it. Okay, fair enough. I didn't really, I didn't really want to talk about it. How does this it, relate to us? It doesn't. Oh, okay, okay. Like, this is me just using the 50 minutes that I have Good of this for platform you. To, yeah. to say something that I guess I really wanted to and say this week. If you can't complete <laughs> passes in 2018, like you said, when the league is wide open offensively, <laughs> you're bad. But I don't care if it's 1968, 1988. If you can't complete passes, you're bad. Oh, I know. Yeah, so he's historically bad. He's historically bad. Yes. Historically, historically bad. Yes. But somebody who's been quite good, historically good, yes. is Todd Gurley. Oh, boy. As yeah. we start talking about the Rams again. Sorry, everybody. No worries. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gurley now has set a franchise record with 12 straight regular season games in which he's played with a touchdown. I, I That, to me, is crazy because you can go back to the greatest show on turf days and mm -hmm. that didn't even happen with Marshall. No, he's a horse, man. Um, he is a war daddy. A war daddy. A war daddy. I mean, he is a stud. Whatever you call the best guy on the field, the toughest guy, the best athlete, he is that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you watch him on carries where he's in the open field and he becomes dynamic. Uh, he makes guys miss, he becomes slippery. You watch him in the hole when he's surrounded. Right. And he's got to turn into a power back. I mean, he's 220 pounds or whatever he is. Right. I mean, he can just morph into whatever you need at, on, the, on one step. And he's, he's so smart. His pass protections are great. Right. Yeah, just everything about him is tremendous. So whatever, however we're labeling great players on football teams, he is everything. He's that and, and more. Right. Yeah, and there's more for him to do. There's... He still has room to grow. That's the scary thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the great part about Gurley is that he also always talks about that. And that he, you know, it, it's never just enough. 
Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that one of the things he loves doing is getting better mm -hmm. and working to get better and adding different elements to his game. And it, that's the beauty right now of this Sean McVay offense is yeah. that they can continue to do that. And he's got somebody who can design plays for him to be so effective each and every Sunday. No, How many touches? Do you have the numbers? How many touches? Does he have right now? Does he have right now? He's leading the league. It's something like, um, I can pull a it lot, up in right? just a second. Yes, it's it's a ton. It's, it's a, So the other part is physical for him. It's you 219. 219 sorry. touches total. Yeah. And we're just getting to week 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of touches. So part of that is availability, which means those 200 plus touches, I'd say 190 end in some sort of car wreck. Probably. Big time collisions. And you've got to roll over, get up, and do it again on the next play. Right. So besides the fact that he's fast, he can catch, he can do all these things, his toughness is unreal. And that's the only thing you can't put a stat on. Mm -hmm. You can't put a stat on his heart, his passion, and his toughness. That, to me, is tremendous. If you look at it, you have to go back to his rookie year to say the last time he missed a game due to injury, and that was week 17 uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. And that was after the week where the yeah. Rams had played Seattle. <laughs> I guess that was on like Christmas or something, and then we had stayed in Napa, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then he had like some kind of turf toe injury, mm -hmm. I want to say, and so he, did, he probably could have played if need be, but he didn't play against the Niners. The Rams ended up losing... Um, that game and then went 7-9 instead of 8-8. Eight and eight. But I think if you look at Todd Gurley and just what you're saying, look, the availability is there, right? You mm -hmm. know, and like James Laurinaitis always used to say this, the, the most, as we go back to the 2015 Rams even more, uh, but the most important ability is availability. No doubt. Right? And so if you look, Todd Gurley played all 16, started all 16 in, in 2016. He was available to play all 16 last year, but then you rested everybody in week 17, also against the Niners. And then this year, he has started and played every single game. So that is why this works so well. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody says that the Rams offense runs through Todd Gurley, and that's true. Mm -hmm. But it's able to do that because he's out on the field so much. Pretty much. I, I'm right there with you, man. And look, when I'm on the field and I can see him, and I, I can see things that I guess other people can't see, like how he's going down and what actually happens to him when he hits the deck. Hmm. Marshall Falk told me this about running backs, and it didn't really occur to me because they used to be targets for me. I'm just chasing you around. Okay. You're a destination. But it never occurred to me that running backs can't protect themselves from the ground for the most part, huh. because they're carrying the football. Right. Me, if I get, if Aaron gets knocked on the ground, he can put his hands out. Right. Because he's not carrying the rock. Running backs are different, man. I mean, you're going on your head, you're going on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, just yeah. with guys on top of you. And I'm like, oh, that must hurt. And yeah. then he bounces up, jogs back to the huddle. Even if it does hurt, he's not going to tell you or show you. Mm -mm. That Ever. stuff, that Ever. stuff, playing the game within the game is huge. Well, if you look at his snap counts, and so I'm on profootballreference.com right now looking at this. And pro, shout out to Pro Football Reference because I would not be able to do my job without them. Mm -hmm. um, but he has played right now 84% of the Rams' offensive snaps. Mm -hmm. That is a big number for a running back mm -hmm. because you don't usually see guys out there on the field for that many snaps. No, you're a three-down back. Yes. Yeah, you're a guy. For that, sure. You're a guy that doesn't come off the field. That proves it. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's one of these reasons why when folks ask me, okay, well. Where's John Kelly? You know, why? What's up with John Kelly? Da, 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 da. And it's because, you know, he had a nice preseason. Um, the answer is usually, okay, when do you want him to come on the field? Mm -hmm. Who would he replace? A and, and why? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I understand that there's a, a want for another dynamic piece to the offense, but the Rams are in 11 personnel probably 98% of the time. Mm -hmm. So that means you have one running back. Mm -hmm. Usually that's going to be Todd Gurley. And if not, it's Malcolm Brown. Right. And if it is Malcolm Brown, you saw why it is Malcolm Brown last Sunday when he is able to, you know, do some yeah. type of fantastic dance. When did he become Lynn Swan? Right, yeah, I know. Malcolm, you're a bruiser, man. Like, you are a bruiser, not a tap dancer, but I, that was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It fooled everybody. Well, I mean, Jared Goff buying time to, to get the ball out and then Malcolm Brown to get the ball in the end zone. I mean, like, that stuff where... Sean McVay gets credit for the design of the offense, and he's the best play caller in the game, right? We hear that a lot, but stuff like that is where you help out your coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's where you create off schedule, and then you find a way to make a good play a great play. I mean, just watch that play again and see Malcolm Brown's body control 
to stay inbounds and then get the ball in over the pylon. Yeah. Tremendous. I mean, just awesome play. It, it, it was one of the better plays I think you're going to see all year. Period. By, yeah, by yeah. any offensive player. Honestly, yeah. because just like you said, that body control, I don't know how you do that. I can't do that, mm-hmm. and I'm like – you know, I'm not a guy that's totally like I'm not the most fit guy in the world, but I'd like to think that I'm pretty in shape well, and like I can go out there and run yeah. a little bit. But I don't know how you. I like, bet we could do it. I bet you and I could do it, just not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, probably yeah. not. Heck no, no. But that's why it's funny. You know, I'm listening to the call, like uh, 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 listening to it back from JB, mm-hmm. and then also hearing um, the the call on the television mm-hmm. and like what I saw from my angle of it. Um, as I was just watching the press box, it was like, okay, he's out of bounds. He's not out of bounds. Yeah. Ah, touchdown. Okay. Right. Zebras are putting their arms up. That's cool. I was waiting. I was watching the side judge. He came up, and he came up with thumbs up to the to the judge that actually called touchdown. Like, yeah. thumbs up. He was in bounds. Yeah. Right? Because I'm thinking the same thing you thought, and I'm right there. Yeah. I'm like, he had to have gone out of bounds. Because it's just, it seems like it would be impossible to keep your balance right. like that. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Tremendous play. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that's why, look, you, you, yes, John Kelly would be nice to have out there, mm-hmm. I guess, in some capacity. But when you have two backs who have been as effective as Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown, and again, Malcolm Brown, it's not like he's playing all that much, you know? So right. Malcolm Brown is in there if, for 16% of the snaps. Right, I mean, and, look, that and like that's the math, you know. Todd at eighty four, Malcolm right. at sixty. I'd love to see more John Kelly. I just like you said, I don't know who you pull out to put him in, right, or where. I mean, that's just not your offense. Are you and, taking that's that, yes. that's what you have to ask? Okay, are you going to take the tight end off? No. Does that help? Because how does that help your protection? That changes it everything. Right. Yeah. Are you going to take one of Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, or Robert Woods off the field? No. Why exactly? So that, that's what I'm saying. Right. It, it's just. The, the math doesn't work out there in terms of, okay, how do you put somebody on the field if you have to take somebody else off? But I will say this. What's that? When he does take the field, you're going to see some... Oh, you're going to see some juice. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to see some You were looking for a word there that you could say clean. Well, right? I was thinking of Back to the Future when Doc Brown said, when this car hits 55, you're going to see some serious blank. But I couldn't say that. <laughs> when he does take... I've never seen Back to the Future. Are you surprised by that? <laughs> Did he? Okay. I did, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. when he does take his first carry or first reception, the first time he gets his hands on the football, you're going to see some serious blank. The kid's got some jets. Yes. Yeah, he's the guy that followed Kamara in t- at, at University Tennessee. of Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, I mean, you're going to see some fantastic stuff out of him, no doubt. Yes, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yes, at some, maybe uh, against the 49ers in Week 7. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see for sure. All right. So, but how could you have not have seen Back to the Future easily? Do you know who Michael J. Fox is? I do. Okay. But unfortunately, and I, I'm not, like, the, I hope this doesn't come off as like horrible when I say this. It's but like, too I, late. I mean, I know him because he, of his fight with Parkinson's disease. More about more than about that than I know than like um, Back to the Future or Mad About You. He was in that show too. Okay. Right? But I just know, I know him because he's a famous actor who is oh, okay. dealt with Parkinson's You do know Christopher Reeve plays Superman, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. It's an Ohio thing. I I'm know just that checking. That. Okay. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a look ahead uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. Second yeah. time the Rams will face the Seahawks this season. Easier the second time around. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're familiar. Why? Um, what, what do you mean you're it's familiar? It's division foe. Um, I mean, you see them twice a year, so you get two games with them. So it, it's, it's phone booth time. You can't fool the other guy. Right. I mean, you might have some wrinkles for him. You know, you may have a few new things that you're going to throw at him. But for the most part, it's you versus that guy. Uh, Marcus Peters versus Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup versus whoever's going to line up over top of him. Uh, You've seen all their stuff and how they played up until this point. So uh, this is just about who wants it more. And it's at your house. Yes, yeah. that, that was the other yeah. thing I was going to say. This one is going to be at the Coliseum, which definitely helps, mm-hmm. I think, when you're not playing them at their place. It's mm-hmm. such a tough place to play up mm-hmm. there that when you're going to be able to come back here, have the crowd with you, at least you hope, Yeah, yeah. Um, then that's going to make it a lot yeah. better just and for they're, you. They're going to fight to the death. I'll tell you this, man. No one likes to get swept in the division. Yeah. I mean – it doesn't end your season, but it gives that other team bragging rights for the year. Mm-hmm. And not just, I mean, not just bragging rights, it's just that feeling of dominance. Mm-hmm. This year, they were better, and there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. You lost twice. You, you've seen them twice, and you lost twice. So they're going to come in here with some get back. They're looking to split this year. 
So you really have to take it out of Seattle. And they gave you a hell of a fight up there. Yes. Expect the same here. Absolutely. The, the thing when you talk about that, just based, looking at the standings right now, the way things are, the Seahawks really need this game in order to stay in the division race. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they know. Mm-hmm. Because if the Rams take this game, then you've got that tiebreaker over them, you know, basically for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So if you finish tied and, you know, say the Rams stay at, you know, nine and seven, that which would I don't think anybody's anticipating that, but mm-hmm. say it would happen, right? Mm-hmm. You would still have that tiebreaker over the Seahawks if they also finished at it's nine big. and seven. Yeah. So it's huge if the Rams are able to win this game just in terms of their control of the division. So I wonder if, if let's just jump ahead, say the Rams get the victory on Sunday. Yeah. So when we get to the off season and you start ranking NFC West quarterbacks, which guy do you put on top? Uh, well, if the Rams sweep the Seahawks. Oh man. That's that's a rough one, right? It is. Yeah, usually because you go with Russell you, Wilson. You would, yeah, you usually would because Russell Wilson has the pedigree. He's been to the playoffs basically every year until last season. Mm-hmm. And he has a Super Bowl ring. So? Usually he gets the nod. Usually he does. But if you get swept by the same guy, it'll be hard to give him that same credit. Absolutely. So that's what I mean. They're not going to want to give that up. Right. To a man, they're not going to want to give that up. You're going to have to take it from him. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm looking at my phone because I wanted to bring up something that J.B. Long put on his Facebook. Mm -hmm. And it's that there is a scenario in which the Rams can clinch a playoff spot, clinch the division, I think I should say, before the bye week, which is a little bit crazy. Okay, the one, I know you have to beat Seattle. Yes. What's the other? Uh, You have to beat Kansas City as well. Okay. So then you have to have Seattle drop Thursday night football to Green Bay next week. Yes. And then Arizona has to fall or at Kansas City or versus Oakland. Arizona has to lose to the Chiefs? Yes, this week. The Arizona Cardinals have to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then if that happens, then LA worst case would be 10-6 and six with head-to-head tiebreaker over Seattle, the only other West team with fewer than seven losses. What are the chances Arizona beats Kansas City? Well, In your opinion? Probably not great. Okay. Unless yeah. it's unless it's a trap game for Kansas City, but they don't seem to have been playing many trap games this year. I mean, like last week could have been a trap game for them versus Cleveland, and wow. they came out and played really Who well. Who do you think would bite your head off faster? Andy Reid or Sean McVay, if you say, hey, is this game a trap game? (laughs) (laughs) Which guy would bite your head off faster? I would say McVay because he's younger. Maybe. But those guys, those coaches, there are no trap games. That's what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, Andy Reid has, uh, and I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but Andy Reid coming off a bye week has been amazing over the course of his career. He basically doesn't lose. Why do we give coaches credit for that? Shouldn't you be good after bye weeks? Yeah, but like they have, they. I think it's because you're. Let's point saying, out the guys who are bad after bye weeks. Yeah, let's do that too. Okay. I don't care. The bad I'm ones. I'm just saying that, yeah. like, but yeah, you give a guy two weeks to pre- two weeks, excuse me, to prepare, then boom, that's what you he get. He should beat you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, we saw that. it last week with the, yeah. the Rams against the Giants, where everybody was like, "Oh, it could be a trap game," and then they oh, won yeah. 51 to 17. What was the Nick Saban? Give Nick Saban a month, and he's going to beat you. Give them three days. <laughs> right. That LSU game, man, that was... Ooh, my God. That was an illustration of, oh, of talent. All know? that Friday and Saturday, all those LSU fans, we coming. Oh. And I was like, so is Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They're coming too. Alabama was coming. Yeah, Alabama, yeah. Alabama dominated. And they're game. still going. You know, it's funny. I, I watched that game um, at this place called the Bayou Beer Garden yeah. down in um, New Orleans. And it was, the atmosphere was great, you know, mm. because you're sitting and it was an outdoor space and there were a lot of TVs around. And then a lot of LSU fans started to pack the place yeah, yeah. as it, you know, got closer to that seven o'clock kickoff. And then they basically just had nothing to cheer about the entire game. Wow. Wow. Like at all. Wow. And I remember thinking, you know, at a certain point in the first quarter, I turned to one of the guys we were with, and I was like, I don't know how Alabama, excuse me, LSU is going to score. Right. Like, with that front that Alabama's got, like, they basically got four first-round picks. You know, before the game kicked off, I was trying to, like, how are they going to get the ball in the end zone? Yeah. Or how are they going to keep Alabama out of the end zone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Look, that offense is irresistible. Anyway, let's let's yeah, not I know, devolve I know, I know. into college yeah, football. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we're we're di- sorry. Uh, di- what is that word? Digressing. Digressing. Right there with him. Whew, man, my Top brain. Twelve education. Yeah, there you go. 
It was Pac-10 back then. Don't. See? See what I mean? <laughs> See? <laughs> um, what do we learn from that last game with Rams versus Seahawks? Uh, the, the Ram- oh, the last game versus the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, gosh. That, the, you know, I like the way – I like Pete Carroll's approach. Um, would just run the ball right yeah, at him. That that Super Bowls and championships uh, afford coaches a chance to rebuild right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. So going back to basics, playing good defense and running the football. Right. They kind of started a couple of weeks before they played the Rams, and I think if if the stats in my memory serves, that was their high watermark for points and it, individual rushing yards from it, Carson. Yes. I believe well, so. It was a concerted effort to run the football and take air out of. Uh, take air out of the football to keep the Rams offense on the bench. Yes. So they had a great game plan against the Rams, but the Rams were just a little bit better in Seattle. So I would expect the same game plan coming to Los Angeles. And they are running the daylights out of the football, save for last week versus the Chargers. Well, even last week against the Chargers, they got over 150 on right. the ground. And so they've gotten over 150 on the ground in the last five games. That started... Uh, when they played the Cardinals mm-hmm. the week before they played the Rams, then just as you were saying, their high watermark of the season is 190 rushing yards. That came against the Rams. And, you know, anytime yeah. you're getting nearly 200 yards rushing and you lose, like that says a lot about the game the Rams it play for sure. It does, and you've made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want the football. Pete Carroll's all about possessing the football. So when yeah. they take it away and run the football, they're they're almost impossible to beat. Yes. Um, you ever watch those old Lumberjack uh, shows on ESPN? What? The lumberjack competitions where no. you have guys like chopping trees down? No. Uh, well, have you seen it? Okay. Thank you. I should be talking to you. Yeah, anyway, probably. Uh, but you watch guys chop trees, and it's a race. And when they show you the marks on the tree when the competition is over, well, the guys that waste licks are the guys that lose. Yes. This Pete Carroll offense doesn't waste licks running the football. They are going to pound you in the A gap. They're going to pound you in the B gap. They're going to try to blow a hole in your defense right. and keep coming after you because it does two things. One, it wears you down. Mm-hmm. Two, the clock's running. Mm-hmm. So it starves the other team's offense to death. And if they can get the takeaway on that, you lose. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough way to win, but it's a brutal way <laughs> to, to attack another football team. Yes, yes. Yeah. And if you look at that... that Plus that that last five week stretch, so mm-hmm. right when they started running the ball as they did, getting over 150 on the ground, they've given up the ball twice. Mm-hmm. They have two turnovers and they have eight takeaways. Yes. So that is how they want to win. Mm-hmm. They want to play ball control and they want to take the ball away from you. And if they do that, that is their path to victory. No doubt. And seeing Drew Brees last week lined up at receiver, and letting Hill take snaps at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that was a hell of a sell job by Sean Payton. Second best would be Pete Carroll to tell your franchise quarterback, I think it's better if you throw it 15 times or less. That's how they won the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> Go tell I, that to Tom Brady. Tell that to Aaron Rodgers. It's better if you, if you throw it less. No. <laughs> 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 They're going to look at you funny or get you fired. But he sold that to Russell Wilson, and he bought it. Right. And he's great at it. And they can win with it. And they have won with it. I, but I think that's probably why. You know what I mean? Like that... They won the Super Bowl that way. Right. Brady Rogers have, did not win their Super Bowls that way. Well, I, I with the exception okay. of Brady being a young yeah. pup, that's not how they okay, won the Super Bowls. Okay, two bad examples. You know what I mean? Tell Matt Stafford that. Okay. Yeah. I, it's I better if you now. throw less. He's going to look at you. What? I'm the guy. Russell Wilson is the guy, but he's he understands what this offense is and what it takes to win on this football team. Right. I throw less. I think he was 14 of 17 uh, against Detroit. Uh, they got four takeaways, yeah. but he had a perfect quarterback rating. Yeah, on seventeen throws. Right, that's how they're going to win. That right. is perfect Seahawks football. Yes, exactly, and that's why they want to be able mm-hmm. to to run the ball effectively. And mm-hmm. the Rams have got to be able to stop that. No doubt. Now the Rams have, I think, have done a better job over the last couple of weeks in doing that. And but with a guy like Dante Fowler in there, how does that change things? How do, I meant to ask you about this earlier in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. How did Fowler play in your mind last it's week? It's a shame that we didn't get to see him at his best because, uh, look, how many plays did New Orleans run? Uh, something around 71. 71 plays, and you racked up a grand total of two tackles for loss and no sacks. One tackle for loss. 
Oh, they took one away? Because yeah. there were two. Aaron Donald had one and Fowler oh, had one. Oh, oh, you mean like as a team. I thought you meant Fowler. As had. a team. Yeah, 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 as a team, you racked up a grand total of two tackles yes, for loss. So yes, you're yes. not doing a good enough job against the run. Mm -hmm. So you can unleash a guy like Fowler. So right. if you can somehow find a way to blunt Seattle's rushing attack yeah. and force the game back into Russell Wilson's hands, then you'll see what Fowler can do. Exactly. But last week, I mean, look, it's it, that was... Sean Payton had what he wanted. He kept you off balance with balance. Mm. But if you can make them one-dimensional, that's where he'll show up. Exactly. All right. Uh, what do you think you need to see from the Rams' offense to win as we start to wrap this up? No more takeaways or no more turnovers. Yeah. Um, and I keep watching this, that, that, that turnover, that interception that Goff threw. And I have to give, um, I think it's Anzalone, a lot yes. of credit for the play he made. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's Randy Johnson throwing a, a fastball on a 3-2 pitch to McGuire that lands in the upper deck. You just live with that. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would bet that that guy couldn't make that same play again. It was a really, really, really Hell of a play. Game. And it yeah. was a fastball. And it was in the right spot. He just made a great play on it. So saying avoid t avoiding turnovers is going to be key, but... You really have to underscore that against Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. You the, can't turn the ball over. Oh, exactly. The last time the Rams and Seahawks played at the Coliseum last year, I guess it was week five. It was right before we went to Jacksonville mm -hmm. and then to London. Uh, the Rams had five giveaways in that game, mm -hmm. and that's why they lost 16 to 10. Right. So yeah. you, you cannot do that against this team. See, I would say this, right? Against New Orleans, a takeaway like that or a turnover like that will, will cost you points. It may or may not against Seattle, but I'll tell you what it will cost you, about six minutes. Yep. You won't see the ball. If you turn it over and give it to them, they're going to pound you. You'll, you'll get 10 extra carries on, onto their rushing total. So if you stay clean, stay consistent, and play pitch and catch and just move the football, I, I think you'll have a chance to wear that defense down. But if you turn the ball over, you're going to feed them. They're going to be energetic, and they're going to be motivated. And it's going to be tough for you to get the ball back. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, DeMarco, for You're such welcome. clear points today. Clear and points? Yeah. Was that really? Yeah, I think so. Are you so. being funny? No. I don't know how to take you anymore. And I don't even know. Are you human? You didn't see Back to the Future. What did you do growing up? Just lot. read books? I read books. I played Madden. I uh, went So to you school. had a TV. Well, no, I would actually put Madden on the computer. Oh, my God. Never mind. See? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. What's Hordes. a DeLorean? Uh, DeLorean is a car. There's oh. actually a De I'm not going to go there with you what right now. What's the dog's I'm just, name? I'm going to end the show. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. Defar and I will see you from the sidelines of the LA Coliseum on Sunday for Rams pregame live on Facebook and on Twitter slash Periscope. You can catch that game 125 Pacific on CBS this week. The Jim Ram Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy yeah. Wilson are going to be on the call. That's a and nice Doc one. Brown's going to be on the sideline. There we go. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. We'll see you next time. Rabbit.